From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Bill Rentschler in the 1011 Now streaming studio, joined by sports director Kevin Suits, sports reporter Chase Madison. This is another episode of the End Report Husker Show. It is Tuesday, just before 2 o'clock, and we just finished up hearing from offensive and defensive coordinators today, as well as a smattering of players. Also heard from Coach Cook. Uh, this afternoon, too. Uh, heard from Coach Rule yesterday, and obviously the big thing, guys, is probably the loss of Ramir Johnson and Gabe Urban, season-ending injuries for both of those players, as well as freshman defensive back Dwight Boodle. Kind of a rough start to the week. Prior to <laughs> yesterday, let's just say, Bill, could you have named Nebraska's fourth-string running back? Probably not. I can now. Between it's going to be Anthony Grant, Quentin Ives, Trevor Lubin, Quentin Ives, and Emma Johnson, and Emma Johnson. Now you could say that's that would have been four or five. Now two or three. Uh, Quentin Ives has been running scout team, and he might be carrying the football in a Big Ten football game in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Ty Robinson said today uh, that they've been great on scout. They've let him let him get hit by the defense, and they haven't said anything about it. And uh, now they're. Kind of get their shot. Matt Rule said yesterday, I'll tell you when you're ready, and guess what? You're ready now. So you got to get moving, Chase. Yeah, well, and Billy Kemp the fourth, we heard from him today, and he even said that, you know, if he has to, he'll run the ball. At Virginia, he was listed as an H-back for them for a lot of seasons because he started as a punt returner kind of plug-and-play guy. So it's going to be, you know, backfield by committee. And Jeff Sims... Again, we hear from Marcus Satterfield today, practiced in full yesterday. But Coach Rule again saying yesterday they're not going to make any decisions until game time on Saturday. Yeah, and that's no surprise. I think everybody assumed that that would be the case, that this quarterback situation will be a game time decision. When Matt Rule addresses reporters on Thursday, I would not expect any sort of announcement. Why would you? No. There's some gamesmanship in there as well. Um, I think they're going to let this thing play out. It, it, we can deem this a quarterback battle now because of the way Heinrich Harvard played on Saturday. And now that we've had an opportunity to, you know, digest Nebraska's win over Northern Illinois, and this coaching staff has watched the film, and the players have been able to uh, continue building their relationship with Heinrich Harburg, he is certainly in the mix to be Nebraska's starting quarterback permanently. Uh, Jeff Sims had his most active day, is the way they described it, on Tuesday. Ran the ball a lot. Marcus Satterfield challenged him to run the football, protect the football. He did that. Um, but it's not as simple as Jeff Sims is feeling better. The ankle is healed. He's on the field, and he is the number one quarterback. Oh, no. After Heinrich Harburg totals three touchdowns against Northern Illinois, he's right in that discussion as well. Yeah, and I think, uh, again, again, just we, we talked about this Saturday night. I think from a lot of the, and again, social media is not necessarily the real, real world, but a lot of comments wanting Harburg to be the guy. But I, I, I wanted to make this point Saturday night. I think if Jeff Sims were fully healthy, he would have had a game like Heinrich Harburg did against Northern Illinois. You know, running the ball well, decent game throwing the ball. But it's, it's, it's next week against Michigan. I feel like maybe Jeff Sims gives you a better chance versus Heinrich Harburg. Jeff Sims may be explosive playmaking ability. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense at all, Chase, but I feel like that's kind of where my mind's at right now. 
Yeah, I think they both, um, both quarterbacks bring a lot to the table. And yeah, you can always do the what if, if you got to see Jeff Sims um, healthy. And because Northern Illinois was not the opponent that Colorado was, and especially it wasn't a defense like Minnesota. So, um, you know, Heinrich Harburg definitely had an easier path and had more success there, obviously. But um, you still have to give credit where credit is due. And I think Satterfield kind of put it on the nose today that like they're both playing really well that like this is kind of a it's a good thing you know it's it's a good thing to have both quarterbacks practicing and looking fresh uh, but yeah i think it will be kind of a testament to the way they tackle this weekend in a game that you assume that nebraska should win right they're favored um it'll be interesting to see how they come out of this game and then who they start for the big dance with the wolverines Marcus Satterfield says that this coaching staff is going to play the quarterback that gives them the best chance to win. And given the three opening weeks of the college football season with Nebraska, you know, it's not simple. It's a very complex formula. And there, if you look at the three weeks, there are three days you could look at, or you can look at 21 days, you know, and that's where they continue to lean on practice. Mm-hmm. And you know that in practice they are trying more things and they're probably exploring what the playbook could, playbook could look like. Who runs, you know, a third and short better? Who throws a better deep ball if you need a huge hit? Uh, Satterfield also said that both of those quarterbacks are good enough they shouldn't be standing by him. So You go back to the first game. Heinrich Harburg was in it, in it tight end. He caught a pass, caught a, pass caught a first down, down pass yeah. uh, against uh, Minnesota. So um, that's the quarterback update that everybody wants to know about. There's a lot more at play this week. Everybody exited Saturday feeling good about Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Opta Schneid, one and two on the season. Uh, all hope is not lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the running back development with the two players who are out for the season and then now Jeff Sims is getting healthier so the quarterback conversation is going to heat up a little bit more and then you got a defense that's playing absolutely lights out ranked second nationally in stopping the run and the players say they can get even better that the number is nice they take a lot of pride in that in holding uh, opponents to under 50 yards rushing per game so far and yet let's think about the opponents here Colorado, Minnesota, and Northern Illinois. Minnesota's a pretty good running football team, um, so they've done a nice job stopping the run, but they feel like there is so much room for improvement. And, you know, Tony White, I don't know how he's going to cash in on his production so far this year, but (laughs) there might be a great payoff for that man because he is coaching his tail off. Yeah, again, uh, they're third in the country in sacks. And again, you know, this fan base has been dying for the past couple of years to have some semblance of a pass rush. Well, part of the problem with that, Bill, is, you know, last year Nebraska brought in Oshan Mathis from mm-hmm. TCU. So there is this great hope mm-hmm. for the pass rush improving by bringing in a guy that has had a very successful college football career in sacks, and it didn't quite play out that way. Garrett Nelson, nice player. Um, man, he bled Husker Red, but the sack numbers didn't jump off the sheet. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to go all the way back to, I believe, Randy Gregory for the last time Nebraska had a guy who could just come off the edge and get to the quarterback pretty routinely. And seeing that happen, not just with one guy this year, but with multiple uh, dudes up front defensively, it's been a nice surprise for this team. Mm-hmm. But don't say that S word in front of the football team because they say they're not surprised at all 
with the way that they are playing. They kind of got the sense that this defense would be chaotic and would be productive in getting to the quarterback and then just limiting some of the offensive, uh, the offensive big plays. And I think, again, from my perspective, when, when the announcement of Tony White uh, as D.C., you know, back when Rule was putting together his staff, and that they were going to go to a 3-3-5 defense, you, you kind of got thought like, oh, man, it's going to take a year or two to really put this defense in. But that has not been the case. It has just been right away. And, you know, we've heard chaos and chaotic plays before and the old Bob Diaco and all that nonsense. But this is actually, you know, we were seeing results, uh, as Tony like Tony White likes to say, on the grass. Yeah, I think that also starts just with the players being more tuned in. Um, there's been some players that have, you know, kind of hinted at, the camaraderie among the team and just studying film and even Ty Robinson today kind of talking about how that they're watching film but then Tony White's doing the extra effort to put in like you're watching this play here's what the probable call would have been from the sidelines and that's allowing players to see a play that they might see on Saturday and then already kind of know in their head what the defense is going to run it just feels like the the defense is you know they don't want to. They don't. They're not surprised because it feels like they've been steps ahead since the entire season. And beyond the on-field stuff, that has been so great to see for Nebraska fans. We're learning today about how this defense has spent so much time together away from the football field, and that was really cool. Just hearing about. Uh, the dinners that they have. Finally and bringing the girlfriends over. Players are bringing girlfriends. And Tony White had a, just a tremendous quote about getting to know his players as people and the others that are in their lives. Like, that brought a smile to his face, you know? And, and you just got the sense that there's a lot of depth there. It's a Coach Rule initiative, and no one is surprised no. that Coach Rule is going to try to establish a deep relationship that goes far beyond football with his players. But hearing about it now and then giving some specific examples as to, you know, painting a picture of what it looks like where they have this, you know, I don't know if it's a potluck and everybody's bringing something. <laughs> I don't think that's the case because I don't know that I want John Bullock bringing a uh, plate of Brussels sprouts <laughs> or whatever it might be. But they're together. They're, um, you know, Coach Rule phrase, they're breaking bread yeah. together. And then just having that fellowship where they're probably not even talking about football. No. That's pretty cool. I, I think the food might have been, like, catered Popeyes. Um, Jamari <laughs> Butler was talking about it, and I believe he said Popeyes. I'll have to go back and listen. Um, but um, we got to hear from MJ Sherman and Jamari Butler on the side briefly. And they both they both highlighted that the family meals are a very good uh, team bonding and just, you know, it's all about building chemistry off the field and they're doing it and it's showing up on the defense. So Popeyes the John Bullock Brussels sprouts clearly did not happen. No. Okay. No. But Popeye's does make a, a mean chicken sandwich. So I would have been okay with going to that dinner. So, uh, again, we kind of skipped over it a little bit, but I want to touch on again, Anthony Grant running back. He was the man last year. And this, this is what coach rule had to say on Anthony Grant, who now, Kind of was in the doghouse. Coach Rule didn't know why people thought that, you know. But here's what Coach Rule had to say on Anthony Grant. Yeah, I don't think he's been through anything. There's a lot of people last week talked about was he in the doghouse. If you're the tailback, you have to protect the ball. Simple, you know. It's like um, if you're the tailback, you have to protect the ball. He's worked on it. That's that's my biggest thing with Anthony. Like we all have weaknesses, you know what I'm saying, or, or things that we're not doing well. 
And our program is built, is built on correcting those things. And so um, after last game, after the Colorado game, I told Anthony, I said, hey, if you have a great week, you're going to play this week. And Anthony had a great week. And so, you know, I don't play guys because of what they did last year. Like, I'm not, that's not me. Like, it's not fantasy football. I play guys based on what they do at practice. And um, that's how you develop players. That's how a guy like Heinrich is ready for his moment. Um, Anthony had a great week of practice. You can see his natural ability in the games. Um, you know, he's, um, it's his show now. <laughs> you know, it's time for him to go. It was his show last year, so it's his show now. Um, but at the same time, um, hopefully he developed and improved his ball security. Uh, that was the, it was the issue last year in the Illinois game. It was an issue in the Minnesota game. And my job is to take players and show them what they're not doing well so that they improve those things. Hopefully Anthony's improved that. Because when he's right, he's right. And he's really good. And so I think he'll, um, he'll be a dynamic playmaker for us on offense. And um, um, he's going to step up. So, yeah, it, it's his show now, Kevin. You know, the sky is not falling when it comes to Nebraska's running back situation. Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson, yes, those are pretty substantial losses. But their next option at that position is not a, a, a true freshman. It's mm. not a guy who has very limited experience. Let's keep in mind last year, Anthony Grant nearly rushed for 1,000 yards for Nebraska. In fact, he carried the ball 218 times for over 900. He was a workhorse, mm -hmm. uh, and he's a guy that Scott Frost and Mickey Joseph trusted. Uh, so they have a great option as no, the number three running back, and it sounded like before some of these fumbling issues cropped up in fall camp, he wasn't the number three guy. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I think you just, again, you can watch the game. You know, Gabe Irvin is a wrecking ball. He's going to go in there. He's going to hit some guys. He's going to get three or four yards. Anthony Grant is going to make guys miss. He's shifty, and he is fast. And I, I think I would argue that despite his fumbling issues that he's had, He's probably the best running back on the roster. Yeah, uh, that's, that's that can be a claim. I think uh, Gabe Urban. It's just it's too bad because he brought a lot to the Big Ten. You know, between the trenches, football. Uh, but we'll have to see. And I think you also have to look at the other guys. I think Emmett Johnson is a guy that has been progressing a lot because they had him back fielding kickoffs. So you already saw him taking a lot of getting a getting a nod to be on special teams and then he's number two on the depth chart so i'm kind of excited to see what the rest of the backfield does and how they approach it uh but anthony grant yeah as kevin mentioned like he had a huge game against south dakota last year and he's a player that really can or yeah can really play so um it's gonna be interesting to see yeah, and, and another thing here too is yes anthony grant by title is a running back they also have a couple of running back air quotes running backs and Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the, the run game starts and ends with this one spot. You know, we've seen no matter who the quarterback is, Nebraska likes to put the ball in their quarterback's hands and let them move the football with their legs. Mm -hmm. So that's another element here. Trying to pump some positivity and, you know, calm the nerves that you maybe have about Nebraska's running back situation. Um, Emmett Johnson, Quentin Ives, Trevin Lubin, uh, a Wahoo native, uh, those are the next guys up. And like Chase, it's going to be exciting to see what's going to happen in terms of carry distribution. One of the things that really highlights this and maybe created some panic on Monday when this news came out is when Matt Rule took the job and Tennessee started preparing for his first season, what did he say one of his keys to winning 
at Nebraska was. Wanted to run the ball. Run the football. Run the ball. So physically, if if you run a four wide offense and you lose a running back or two, it's like okay, well they're going to touch the ball a limited amount of times. Mm -hmm. But in the formula in which the Huskers right now believe they should win and can win, you got to be able to run the football. And so that's that's what makes this situation so important. And um, I guess leads to us spending a, a significant amount of time talking about it. And I think if you look at last year, you, I think you could kind of tell Anthony Grant kind of got worn out towards the end of the year. A lot less explosive than he was first half of the year. You know, going through the meat grinder that is the Big Ten schedule. Well, that Rutgers game, he was awesome. Yeah. That's when he blew the dude up on the sideline to get off me play, he which ended up on could have been called for targeting against North Illinois. He really laid, a, laid his helmet into a defender. You bet. Um, but I feel like now maybe he's got a little more depth behind him. So that should help keep keep his, keep him fresh a little bit. So, again, uh, otherwise there wasn't a whole lot of else necessarily, I think, that interesting between Rule yesterday and, and coordinators today. Rule said still looking for more explosive plays from special teams. I feel like it's kind of been a little bit of a mixed bag there at times uh, through the season. Um, any thoughts on special teams, Kevin? Not really. I mean, the, the highlights for those that are watching and listening, uh, the quarterback update, the running back situation, which has taken a turn, and then the def- defense. You know, I don't know if you're fishing for a haiku out of me, but I can't do it off the fly. you got to have a little bit of time to try to figure out the syllables. Yeah. You know, I'd give you brownie points if you can know the syllable format of a I haiku. Don't. I see them, and I like them, and I appreciate them, and I know that it takes work, but English was not mine. Chase, do you know? Um, five... Six, I don't know. Oh, you were close. Five, six, five? Five, seven, five. Five, five uh, syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. For those that think that we have just gone completely off the rails, <laughs> something I, I like to have a little fun with every Thursday yeah. after a coach's post-practice interview and their final comments before the game, I recap it in, a, in haiku form. There you go. It's always something to look forward to. Sure. So, again, Louisiana Tech, Saturday, 2.30 kick, Big Ten Network. We have announcers, Kevin? Yeah, we do. Thank you. Uh, Mark Fellowill will be on the play-by-play call for Big Ten Network. Uh, the color commentator will be Matt Millen. Matt Millen. I always enjoy Matt Yeah, Millen. I like uh, Matt Mark Fellowill, uh, he's my guy, so it'll be a good call <laughs> for people listening at That's... home. Uh, he, um, he has done for a while, he used to do the Fox Sports Southwest Dallas Mavericks home broadcast. Oh. Wonderful. I yeah. had no idea who Mark Followell was. Now we do. Now we know more. Yeah. Now we have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So Nebraska opening as 20-point favorites. The over-under is 47. Louisiana Tech, Conference USA opponent. They're 2-2. Two and two. They won against FIU and Northwestern State. They lost at SMU and at home against North Texas this last weekend. Bill, since you just mentioned the over-under, did you know Nebraska was on ESPN's bad beats oh, for this past week. I did yeah. not know that. Please fill me in on this. Yeah, because, you know, Northern Illinois scored that touchdown and the two-point conversion in the closing minute. Yes. it. They were in position to be on the unders. And then Northern <laughs> Illinois not milking the clock, calling a timeout, yep. continuing to pass the ball and move it downfield, and then going, and for, then going two. for two. The over hit. So they had a little fun with Nebraska and Northern Illinois on uh, – Scott Van Pelt's bad beats. That is a bad beat. So, that is unfortunate. Thankfully, yeah, Louisiana I, Tech, just for those people that are curious, you know, this is a team that has only been to Lincoln twice previously. And in 19, I believe, 98, Troy Edwards set the NCAA record for receptions and receiving yards in a game at Memorial Stadium as an opposing wide receiver. 
Well, let's. Uh, this is it 21 catches for over 400 yards? Let's not do that again, please. Well, Nebraska won the game. How do you win the game by letting one guy have over 400 yards receiving? You have a really good team. I guess. Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, really quickly, volleyball. Uh, we talked about them last week, how they had a big week ahead at Stanford hosting Kentucky. And they lost to combine two sets against those two teams. One in Palo Alto, 3-1. to one, one against Kentucky, 3-1. to one, With probably the longest rally I've ever seen in my life. That was absolutely incredible to watch. What was it, like 62 seconds or something like 71, that? 71, 72 Se- seconds. Se- yeah. What, what's your takeaways from volleyball this week? That rally was pretty incredible. That was awesome. And the, the scrappiness of both teams, uh, Nebraska and Kentucky, was outstanding. I, I am just amazed at this team and their ability to keep the ball in play. It is hard for opponents to terminate on Nebraska. We had it on a graphic on the news uh, recently that Nebraska leads the country in, in opponent hitting percentage. They're holding opponents to hitting just over 100, which is unheard of. Uh, it, the number has grown a little bit because of the competition mm-hmm. with Stanford and Kentucky, but still, uh, Nebraska's defense is good. They will be challenged big time coming up because Big Ten play begins. John Cook, you know, I we could have just we could run this soundbite from 2021, 2018. Every week, uh, the week with that Big Ten play starts, he says, it is harder to win a Big Ten championship than an NCAA championship. NCAA, you just got to be good three weekends. This, it is a two-month marathon, and the teams are all really good. So he said it again on Tuesday, and I believe Coach Cook, and he started the whole thing off saying, well, I looked at the standings. We're 0-0, zero and, zero, and so <laughs> yeah. is everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but in the actual ABCA poll that was just came out, they're number two now. They jumped from four to two. They did get two first-place votes. Wisconsin's still firmly at number one. Um, they had 62 first-place votes. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned it. The conference play starts this week. Chase, it's Friday against Ohio State. And they're ranked 21st. They're actually three and six, and they're riding a six-game losing streak. Have you seen their schedule? Games, oh, my goodness. Two of them, I think, are against 11, number 11, Georgia Tech. They played uh, at Stanford. It's all top 15, I think, teams that they've played. They, so they've lost six in a row, but it, the competition has been absolutely unreal. Well, and that was just like Kentucky, right? Kentucky was like two and five coming into it, or two and four, and they stayed in the rankings this week just because – of like you know very tough competition you record doesn't matter and for john cook he's approaching it as yeah every team is zero and zero um it's gonna be tough you know i I think one thing that's impressed me the most is the depth against kentucky they had um ali batenhorst playing a lot more and then even mason macy boxinger boxinger played a little bit and so you have players step up and fill those roles um even candy Orr is seeing action just because she's such a talented player um even though Bergen Riley starting at setter. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle, but so far they've shown a lot of fight and the freshman class is the best that I've ever seen. Cause this is my first year covering ne- Nebraska, but uh, <laughs> it definitely is a, a pretty special class. They're going to be good. Of course, Kentucky stayed in the pool. Did you watch that team? Yeah, they're really good. Like, they're good. Yeah. I mean, they hit like, almost 300 yeah. against Nebraska. So, and, and they're so scrappy. Craig Skinner's got a really good team. 
their their pin hitter. Her name's escaping me right now. Number ten. She was she was awesome. This is a team that they they could challenge to win the. Reagan Rutherford, I think. Is Thank you, Rutherford. Right yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Chase. Reagan Rutherford. Um, like she's she she's had nineteen really kills. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good team, and that's one thing that you know I learned being an AP college basketball voter for the first time last year is it's not as simple as just looking at the results. And then looking at records and setting a poll, you have to watch the teams. Mm-hmm. You have to watch the games. And, you know, there were a couple of fan bases that liked to come at me <laughs> because I wouldn't rank them and they yeah. would cite the record. And for me, like that only goes so far. Yeah. You know, especially when you're looking at some of the, you know, mid-major teams, the group of five teams, you just have to have a really analytical and critical eye. And plus the poll, that's the coach's poll. If there's anybody who knows the game the best and knows these teams the best, it's the coaches. let the coaches make the poll. So the fact that Kentucky is still in the top 25, that's the right call. Nebraska moving up, that's the right call. This team is really good. They're really fun to watch. Uh, they have just some swagger and some youth and some scrappiness that is uh, just really entertaining uh, volleyball. So th- hop on the Husker train if you haven't already. And you know, John Cook made an interesting point on Tuesday, too. You know, I asked him about, are you getting the sense of how the fan base is falling in love with this team? He had the great quote about going to high V. He can't go 10 feet without somebody talking about his team. And he brought up the fact that, you know, some of this might be a byproduct of having the stadium match when the attendance record was set um, back in August. I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is that they're just good. And... Everybody can get fascinated with the potential of this team because they have, as Chase mentioned, all these freshmen who are contributing, and Harper Murray is playing far beyond her years. And they have Lainey Choboy, who, I mean, she's gonna, she's already a stud. What's she going to look like when she's a senior? And I would say not just good, they're just exciting to watch. Yes. The athleticism on that court. Again, the rally, the one-minute-long rally. Like, both sides, like... They couldn't. They couldn't get the ball on the floor. You had bodies flying everywhere after the point was over. You had hands on hips because they were tired. It's fun. It, it's just really fun to watch. And the fact that they're uh, back home for two more this week with uh, the stakes cranking up a little bit with Ohio State and then Minnesota. Um, now Ohio State. You mentioned that they have a, a sub 500 record. They are not exactly the Ohio State that they have been the last couple of years. Mac Pedraza, their All-American setter, she's no longer in the program. She transferred, uh, but they're still pretty good, but they're probably not at the level that they had been the last couple of years. They're a really well-coached team, too. And uh, if you go to the Devaney Center on Friday, uh, don't expect a sweep. No. I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah. And uh, I think we're starting to see the parity in college volleyball. It used to be, Bill, Chase, that there seemed to always be four to six teams that were just in kind of a league of their own. And then the next would be like a group of 10. And then there'd be a pretty big drop off where, you know, Nebraska welcomes in number 22 to what the NU Coliseum back mm-hmm. in the day. And it'd be a sweep. You're yeah. Like, whoa, that was against the ranked opponent. You just don't see that as much anymore. You get a top 25 team in here, you better buckle up and be ready for a pretty intense match just because there is talent dispersed all across the country and in all levels of college volleyball. And I just think the overall profile of the sport has raised. And there, 
I think every program over the past couple of years has really elevated. Yeah. Uh, John Cook today, again, d didn't have an update on Lindsey Krause. Again, she was uh, uh, had a uh, car accident on O Street. Someone hit her from behind. Uh, practiced for a few minutes. Um, again, the game's not till Friday, so hopefully we'll have her back uh, in the rotation uh, on Friday. But he didn't have an update on Lindsey Krause at all today. So that's something we'll, we'll keep an eye on. So, again, 20, uh, number 21, Ohio State on Friday. Uh, number 12, Minnesota on Sunday. I believe the match against Ohio State is going to be on 8 p.m. 8 p.m. and Big Ten Network. So you'll be able to watch that. And then, really quick, last, basketball. They had their conference schedule released today, men's hoops. Um, and I, glancing at it, I, it's a tough finishing stretch. Kevin, I don't know if you've get, seen it. The last five weeks, three games, or the last five games, three on the road at Indiana, at Ohio State, at Michigan, two home games against Minnesota and Rutgers to finish the conference slate. That's what you first noticed with the schedule? Well, I noticed we only played Iowa once, and it's at Iowa. Big Ten opener is kind of in the middle of the non-conference season, but, you know, hopefully Hoiberg and, and crew are fighting for a postseason spot, and that's a tough five-game stretch to finish the season. What Chase, do you think? your takeaway? Well, it's, it's, you start tough, too. You're on the road at Minnesota in December, mm -hmm. and it, looking at the rest of their schedule – it's just kind of it's a tough stretch of games to do, especially when you're going to have students not here on campus because you host Indiana on January 3rd and then Purdue on January 9th. Like, I'm not saying those are going to be you don't chalk them up as losses like you don't want to predict anything right now. But it would be a lot helpful, more helpful to have PBA full of students and maybe the winter breaks a good time for fans to come see some pretty uh, talented teams in Purdue and Indiana. But I think that I think that's a. That's the first thing I noticed of, of an interesting stretch. The first thing I look at when I see these schedules. Well, the Illinois is, game for you, Kevin. Well, yeah, beyond that, I, I honestly don't even know if Illinois comes to Lincoln. That was one of my curiosities. They don't. They don't. Okay. It looks like we'll have to go to Champaign for that. Anyway, <laughs> I, in this graphic that you're looking at, Bill, and the folks that are listening in, on the podcast won't make any sense, but they have just the date listed. I go and I pull up the calendar. How many Saturday games do they play at Pinnacle Bank Arena? Oh if you remember, a few years ago, Nebraska went an entire men's basketball season without playing a single conference home game on a Saturday. And it was very bizarre because Pinnacle Bank Arena can be really fun, you know, if you get a midday Saturday game, which was the case with Zach Eady and Purdue coming to Lincoln last, uh, last December. That was a charged-up atmosphere. Nebraska nearly handed Purdue its first loss of the season, a game that went into overtime. Um, there are three home Saturday games in conference play for the upcoming year. There's a couple on Sunday as well. So, quick glance, that's my first takeaway. Got a couple of Saturdays at PBA. That'll be fun. And again, hopefully, Hoiberg and crew uh, it's, uh, make, a, make it's, a postseason bid this year. It's Northwestern, Michigan, and Penn State are your home Saturday PBA games. See, now we got you guys on board with looking at the Saturday. I like this. Yes. All right. Anything else from anyone before we let everyone go? All right. Well, in the 1011 Now Streaming Studio, this has been another episode of the End Report Hustle. 
You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.